right, welcome to Living in the Past, where not just two anymore, it's three middle-aged dudes relive their past by enjoying the pop culture of their youth. Are Mm. you guys ready to wander in the woods, go skinny dipping in a lake, be chased by a serial killer, and shave your head to trick the killer, and hack him to death with a machete? Devin? Uh, I am four out of five steps ahead of you, Jeremy. (laughs) Carl? I don't know, and you're 51, and you got this great set of hair right there. I mean, I cannot. Sh- I mean, wow. I'm just, I'm gonna have to go to the death with it. I'm not shaving. It. Yeah, I'm. I'm already. I'm already. For those watching on YouTube, I'm already in the in the Jason yeah. uh, mode. Bald, yeah. Bald head here. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's right. We're doing Friday the 13th, but we're doing part four. Uh, Friday the 13th, mm. part four. Yeah. Um, I'm, a, I'm excited to do this. The, the Friday the 13th series was always that forbidden fruit. When I was a kid, it was always the movie I would wow. sneak to watch. The first rated R movie I ever saw was part two. Yeah. Um, when I snuck and watched it on HBO. So, uh, this has a unique and odd and, uh, dare I say special place in my heart. Uh, but our, our patrons voted and, and we gave them some choices and they voted. They wanted to do this episode on part four um carl this was that was this i think this is the one you've seen right when was the first time you saw part four i think i saw three and four and i think maybe another one yeah but uh, i think three and four about the same time and about in the same manner it was uh i was not going to the theaters to see these even though i was probably old enough to to do it at that by that time but i was just well maybe you know but i was just a, a coward so <laughs> i didn't want to see them and uh i had plenty of friends my some of my best friends loved horror movies loved horror movies so uh it was a rental in a group of people and it was like i just mm. again like I, i've said before i was sort of forced i was like i can't chicken out of this so it was kind of more of my first horror i think three and four but i do remember seeing these sitting in somebody's living room with a group of people around so yeah. i was just like i just i gotta i gotta get brave and and get through it <laughs> not not show wow. that you're, you're terrified <laughs> reminds me of my wedding night Carl. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh Devin, when was the first time you saw part four you know it was it was in the theater uh oh. which which is fat well but here's what's fascinating right this is 1984 if i'm not mistaken right. and so i was 12 uh, if I'm not mistaken, this is pre-PJ-13 movie, so that means this was rated R, which means that, and, and I distinctly remember this, because Danny Serrano's um, dad drove us to the theater, um, let us out of the car, as, as two 12-year-olds we go to get our tickets for Friday the 13th Part 4, and I, I distinctly remember, because it's rated R, the person working the box office made eye contact with Danny's father. Danny's father just gave the head nod, and they sold us the tickets. What? So, <laughs> back Beautiful. in the days yes. where we didn't get wrapped up too much and some of the things we get wrapped up into today. Yeah, it's good times. Devin, that, yeah, that's, exactly. that's, that's beautiful stuff right there. Beautiful <laughs> stuff. Yeah, I saw it I saw it on, on cable, uh, HBO, I believe, um, and it, it immediately, like, became, like, two is special because it was the first one I saw, but but I, I really liked four. It was the one I've probably seen the most. Um, you know, some people say it is the best Friday the 13th movie, but Devin, mm. is it? Is it the best? I mean, because I think you have something Ooh. different. 
Yeah, so right, if we're going to get into like ranking, right. so first and foremost, my, my knowledge of Friday the 13th as a series kind of peters out after number five, right? right? We start getting Freddy and Jason, and Jason Takes Manhattan. Although yeah. Jason Takes Manhattan actually <laughs> is on most internet lists, actually fairly highly rated, which is intriguing unto itself. Yeah. <laughs> so I, we really get into, it's almost like, uh, listen, I hate to cross streams here, but it, it's almost like Star Wars. Like, I think that there are better films, and I think that I, there are fan favorites. Right. And so I think... Part four is, uh, I mean, it's probably a close tie as far as best in the original series with the or, number one, the original. Right, right. But uh, fan favorite, my favorite, is the original. I think yeah. it's kind of hard to, to undo that. Right, so right. I guess let me, let, me, let me face it this way. Of all the ones that feature Jason as the main antagonist, yes, number four is the best of the original series. Yeah, a lot of, a lot of people have four they a lot of people reference the original and, and talk about yeah. the jump scare at the very end where he comes up out of the water um yeah. it's just being classic friday the 13th stuff um but a lot of people talk about four and six and there there's and and mm. for those people that are familiar with the friday the 13th they know like part five was the one that that had an imposter jason jason isn't in it and, yeah. and so right the fandom was really frustrated and upset with part five although part five might be the sleaziest of them all the guy that directed it That's had di <laughs> i know the guy that directed it had directed like softcore porn in like the 70s yeah. and um yeah. so he brings the skill set to part five and then playing the role of jason please welcome ron jeremy <laughs> oh my gosh yeah so part five was that is that kind of you know but but everybody that talks about the friday 13th series they talk about four as almost mm. being kind of the quintessential slasher jason film and then there's yeah. this unique love for six and six mm. uh, for those of you that might not remember six was the one where an older uh tommy goes and wants to make sure um J tommy jarvis make sure that jason is completely done away with they're going to incinerate him yeah uh, he stabs right. him with the metal pole. Lightning hits the metal pole and reanimates Whoops. the dead Jason. And then this is when we Whoops. see the shift in the series where Jason is a little more human in the earlier films. But after right. part six, he's this this unstoppable killing machine. So uh, but a lot of people well, me, love six, man. Yeah. So let, let me ask you guys, because, you know, one of the things that I, I think that the original one has over it is we actually have I, I, <laughs> it's funny to actually hear this about to come out of my mouth but i think when we have mrs Voorhees, she's a much more sympathetic figure right. than when jason is hacking and slashing right, right, folks right, right. because of the story that's attached to that so right. i like to me and because of i think the mystery that's involved we, we know in parts two through whatever that jason's going to be the bad guy right right but i think this is why number one works for me is because of the, the sympathetic story attached to it, and because it's it's very much this <laughs> Agatha Christie mystery on steroids right. until the very end there, and I, I so I'm just throwing that out there as why I think one is right. ultimately the the the, fine, the finer film. Uh, yeah, it's it's I like the who who is it? Who's the killer? Who's the killer? And then of course that the and you, it, it's a little too slow pace for me. Um, yeah, but I mean it's a product of the time, right? Halloween is is a like. Friday the 13th is trying to cash in on Halloween, and right. and both are, are relatively so, slow 
taste. I love Halloween. I, I really do. And, and I, I love Friday the 13th. But the pace is much slower. You know, and you could say that about a lot of those films in the late 70s that are making that transition to kind of the faster cut films of the 80s and action films and horror films. It's interesting. Right. It's this little bridge time. I mean, even the original Star Wars a lot of people that see it today, the younger audience are like, oh, yeah, it's a little like a new hope slow. It's it's pace slow. But we're seeing that bridge happen um, during the late 70s. You see it with Friday 13th, Halloween, right. Star Wars, right. a lot of those those big, big blockbusters. Um, Jeremy, do you think yeah. that, you know, because you brought up Halloween right. and I think that there's there's this, you know, Halloween comes out a couple years before the original Friday the 13th. Right, right. And so w within fandom. There's actually some Halloween hardcore fans that actually just kind of turn their nose up at Friday the 13th exactly. because it really was kind of this box office riffing of mm -hmm. Halloween in order to yeah. kind of cash in on this up-and-coming genre. And so do you think with, with that in mind that Friday the 13th from your eyes is any less of a series because it's kind of riffing on the Halloween series? I think initially, yes, but... Yeah, it's by by you. By the time you get to part four, it's kind of branching mm -hmm. out in a, a unique path. Yeah. Uh, and then by yeah. the time you get to part six and part seven, I mean, six is the reanimated Jason. Uh, yeah. It's very universal monster movie kind of like influenced mm. film. And then part seven, if those of you that don't remember, part seven is the one where it, Jason basically fights Carrie. You know, the Stephen King carry, yeah. like, you know, where right, this girl right. has all these powers. And, and, and so it goes in a very, very different direction. And even as we're talking now this weekend, uh, a sequel to Halloween, the reboot um, Halloween came out. There's a new Halloween in 2018. Halloween Kills is out in theaters and on streaming this weekend. Um, and so it's still going strong where, you know, there's there's issues with the Friday the 13th series over rights and uh, who has mm. the rights. And that's why. We haven't seen anything since 2009, yeah. which is which is pretty interesting. Um, yeah, well, and you do you have to fight for yeah. your right to party. So. <laughs> well, you know, part four, you know, was 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 planned to be the last film in the series, <laughs> but obviously mm. it wasn't. You know, film critic uh, Roger Ebert, um, he loved the film, and and I wanted to play just some of his thoughts of of, of what Raj thought about about friday the 13th here here here's a little clip from the siskel and ebert show and roger ebert talking about uh friday the 13th part four here we go our next movie is friday the 13th the final chapter an immoral and reprehensible piece of trash that sold more tickets on its opening weekend than any other movie so far in 1984 and that is a very very depressing commentary it really makes me sad friday the 13th the final chapter is 90 minutes of teenagers being strangled stabbed impaled chopped up and mutilated that's all this movie is is just mindless bloody violence and just think of the message this film offers to its teenage audience the world is a totally evil place this movie says it'll kill you it doesn't matter what your dreams and hopes and ambitions are it doesn't matter if you have a new boyfriend or a new girlfriend or you've got plans for the future you can forget those plans because you're going to wind up dead. There is literally nothing else in this movie. And the sickest thing is, this isn't the final chapter. That's just an advertising gimmick. The ending clearly sets up a sequel. And what I want to know is, I wonder if they're going to be heartless and cynical enough to make the sequel, because why not? They've already taken the bucket to the cesspool four times for the sludge. I think the people who made this, who made this movie ought to be ashamed of themselves, and that's what I think. <laughs> oh, man. But how does he really feel, though? I want to, like, we just... 
how does he really feel? Let's get beyond the veneer. Oh, I love uh, that Roger brings the <laughs> wow. heat. He's right, isn't he? Wow. he he's right, right? It, it's it's complete and total trash. Carl, you're the moral center of the show. Carl, the intern, oh, really? save us. Um, Raj is right, isn't he? Um, <laughs> you know, Jeremy, uh, Friday the 13th, I don't have the nostalgia because it scared me and I yeah. was just not, you know, into it as much, so... Um, I'm gonna have to say I agree. I agree with Roger on this. I mean, the fans will hate me. Uh, I'm off the show now. I'm, I'm sorry. It was a good run. Well, while it lasted. Yeah, let me see Carl's um, answer, and let me. Um, I'll see you and raise you. Okay. Um, I agree with Roger Ebert, and that is why I love it. <laughs> though, though he j- he just gave me the laundry list. He checked every uh-huh. box of what I'm looking for as a prepubescent well, teenage boy in America. Yeah. Well, one thing I do kind of confuse Robert with is that it's, um, you know, if life is going to kill you and it doesn't matter what you do, if that's a thing that is not a makes a bad movie, then I don't know all these French movies and all these like <laughs> indie arts movies in the United States are like lauded with all these awards from different shows because you know i think a lot of times especially in you know america we do have these the box office successes are the hopeful ones but the ones that are artistically done well the ones that give you this you know uh, i guess realism about life is tough and you got to do so i kind of confused on his criticism of that part of it because it's like sometimes you know, it's yeah, that's what people say. We need the realism. We need that to really show the art. Any any idiot can make a happy, <laughs> hopeful movie. But let's just let's show you yes. what life's all about. Yes. Oh, yes. yeah. It's it, it's yes. interesting. Us, uh, yeah. It's hard to place the the slasher film because it's endlessly entertaining to to many many mm. people. Um, yet the entertainment is murder. <laughs> you know, and so you're you're you always mm-hmm. feel this tension. Yet. There's a lot of people that that go to these movies that enjoy these movies, and for some reason, um, and I, I have found the answer to why very intriguing. A lot mm. of people say the reason why they love the horror genre, the slasher genre, is that life for them is really difficult, and mm. there is real evil out in the world, and the movies that they go see and enjoy, it is this kind of catharsis for them it's a way that they can like uh almost have control over the evil they're dealing with see it cheer for Mm -hmm. the final girl in the Mm -hmm. slasher case um and and, you know just kind of process through that and enjoy this in a, a little bit more controlled environment i find that really fascinating i find the commentary on on you know some people saying well it shows that that women are you know empowered yet you can say also they're exploited in these films as well. Uh, so there is a what's surprising about Friday the 13th, what's surprising about the slasher genre is that as simple as these stories are, wrestling with some of the ideas in them actually can become quite complicated. And and I mm. find that what's interesting about Friday the 13th. And you're right, Devin. I mean, whether you're a, a adolescent boy or you're, you know, you're a, 47 year old man like these these movies there's an appeal to an audience for these films and um yeah you know yeah. it's just fascinating to think about i i don't i don't well, look know how far we've come though right when it comes to like our our fascination or escapism right. with this because we go we go from like can you imagine if um 
Roger Ebert were around for reviews of like The Purge, right? Um, right. Because I mean that to me, like for the Friday the Thirteenth, and even for that matter, you know, the Halloween Freddy Krueger is like they're. <laughs> It, it's one thing to have this one main antagonist who is doing these dirty deeds done dirt cheap, but I mean, talk about commentaries on actual like political, cultural, social uh, views and divisions at the time. Like the purge to me is a thousand times more dangerous, if you will, than anything that Jason or Freddy or whomever that w- Michael Myers would would throw at us in, in these films. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an interesting kind of road to go down and consider. Um, what's interesting about part four, though, for me at least, is that there's <laughs> there's talent working on this. Um, you know, mm-hmm. the director um, is one of the best B-movie directors of the 80s, late 70s, early 80s, and that's Joseph Zito. Uh, Zito made, like, the film he made before it, before part four, um, was called The Prowler, which is... A lot of people talk about The Prowler. I don't know if you mm. guys have seen it. It's one of the quintessentially um, popular slasher movies, and a lot of that has to do with who Zito worked with on the film, and that's mm. Tom Savini, who, my goodness, I mean, he worked with uh, Romero on Martin and Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead and Creep Show and Monkey Shines. Um, he did a lot of the effects for part one for Friday the 13th. He did Maniac. I mean, my goodness, uh, he, he had been involved in so much. He even did a, a you know, he did the remake of um, Night of the Living Dead, too. And so he is known as one of the great makeup effects artists. And in fact, when you see Tommy Jarvis's room where it has all the masks and stuff, that's all Savini's gear. And so mm. you have this, like... Mm-hmm director and Zito who did the prowler with you know Savini and then this guy makes part four he makes missing in action with Chuck wow. and then you know invasion USA and then Red Scorpion who cannot forget Red Scorpion uh, but you know <laughs> he's this b-movie really good b-movie director with one of the great makeup effects artists in Tom Savini um, man and then you then you got one of the great in my opinion Corey Feldman is one of the best child actors in the eighties period. I, I think he's a three time appearances on this show too. So yeah. I mean, he's a, yes. Whoa. Stand by me. I mean, lost boys and this. Yeah. yeah. And wow. so Feldman is, is a favorite of mine, but then you got, I mean, Jimmy, the character Jimmy played by Crispin Glover in the film. And so part four is interesting to me because I, like the talent assembled, it, it does feel like the quintessential Jason movie. Um, mm. You know, there's, there's, as we talk about this, I need the audience to understand, like, there's the Friday the 13th movies, and then there's, like, real movies. And so Friday the 13th, <laughs> like, as we say, this is shot well, <laughs> or this you. is brilliant. <laughs> I'm talking about you. in the context of the series. And I think, oh. I think Zito does some really interesting things with the camera. Um, he's, he, it isn't just point and shoot like he's up to doing some interesting things and so i'm never i'm never bored in watching part four it's a crisp 90 Mm. minute film and uh i Mm. appreciate it for that and what you guys think about just carl what you think about the talent acting um Mm -hmm. did it stand out to you at all you know what what were your thoughts no i mean the acting did it's 
you know, Kevin Bacon wasn't famous when he did the first one. Right, right, right. Um, so, you know, you think about him as maybe the biggest star in all of them. But Crispin Glover is one of those, you know, you know Marty McFly type deals or um, or his dad. But, um, you know, McFly, and he did yeah. a good job. But he's also sort of uh, something weird about him that he does some of these offbeat things too. So there is, you know, a talent. They're not <laughs> just, you know, somebody who's trying to be in the most popular uh tentpole movies there are out there right. so he's, he's done both things um but um some of that you talk about like the shots one of the one of the coolest shots was when one of the twins is whichever one that is is leaving and it's raining yeah and probably the one that you know even one of the more shocking kills in that is when it's there's thunder lightning and all of a sudden the lightning flashes up and the silhouettes are on the house yeah, yeah. And that's mm-hmm. when she actually gets impaled you know yeah. you see a silhouette you don't see the blood the gore the right. actual person and that one sort of took me more by surprise than a lot of the other ones. And I was like, well, that was a, a cool way of doing that. Right. So there was, I, you could tell, there there is, like you said, there's people more than just putting one camera in one angle and just let's do it. They yeah. are thinking about what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it about, about the film. I think that's why a lot of people like part four is the acting plus the, the actual technical side of, of the movie. Um Around four, though, it's interesting rewatching it, and I've seen it so many times, but kind of thinking a little bit more about these movies. And part one, part two, they're pretty violent. Not to say part four isn't violent, but around mm. this point, when we get to part four, part five, even part six, man, the MPAA, there's this backlash a, a lot because of critics like Roger Ebert bemoaning it, and there was you know, congressmen talking about it. And so the MPAA cracked down on the violence. And so the kills, while you know exactly what's happening, the edits are really quick. Um, A lot of quick edits, whether someone gets stabbed or whatever, um, it's unlike, Mm -hmm. let's say, Kevin Bacon's death in part one, where you you see this horrible scene where the arrow comes through the neck of Kevin. It's a long shot, and... Um, mm-hmm. those longer shots are, are done away with by the by the time we get to mm. part four. And um, they had to fight for the length of Jason's de- death scene where he slides, his face slides down the mm-hmm. machete. They actually had to cut all those other kills so they could, like, negotiate to get that longer kill at the end with Jason. Wow. And, and so it, it's wow. interesting to see how all that played out. And part four, and rewatching it for me, I don't know about you guys. I was kind of not shocked, but like a little surprised. Like, wow, it is not as it's violent. We're in the slasher genre, but it's not as violent <laughs> as I I recalled it being. And I think a lot of that has to do with those really uh, quick edits. I don't know, Carl. What did you think? I mean, did it seem? I mean, you're the one that's that's sensitive here. I mean, was it <laughs> was it too much for you? Just Not, enough? Sorry, just, <clears throat> didn't mean to laugh. <clears throat> didn't mean to laugh. Uh, no, it's um. I mean, you're right, and when you mention it, it does seem to like kind of stand out because at some point, it's like, okay, uh, Sam, which I'm glad to know why you got your name of your son. I'm figuring <laughs> that out now today. But uh, she dies in the in the raft. You don't see that. Yeah, um, yeah. You know, like I said, the one was in silhouette. Now the mom in the note you said she's dead. She just screamed. Do I remember? Do I did I miss her body ever showing up or anything? There, I mean, no, it's a great you know, catch. There's a, there's a scene that was filmed where um, the body is discovered and it's discovered mm. by um, Trish Trish Jarvis, 
played by Kimberly okay. Beck. I think that's yeah, Trish is her name, right? The sister's name. Yeah, so yeah. like mm-hmm. Trish Trish um finds her mom um okay. in, in upstairs in the house. So yeah, that was all filmed and they they cut it. I don't know why they did, but they they cut mm-hmm. it. It wasn't it was just a body discovery basically, but they they cut okay. that out. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah. yeah, I mean there's one in the dark, the one's in the dark and he's just screaming he's killing me, but we yeah. don't we yeah. We know what's going on, but we yeah. don't see it. So, yeah, I can, when you say that, it does make sense that that – and I do remember the Kevin Bacon one, mm-hmm. and that one is hard. Because sometimes the horror is, you know, Kevin Bacon's face before you realize what's going on. Right. Right. It's like something's wrong, and you got that horror, and then slowly the arrow's coming through. Yeah. And little by little, yeah. like he's known this yeah. seconds before we did as the audience. But we were like, well, why has he got that look on his face? So, you know, it's yeah. – I can I can see the difference and I understand what you're saying and that is well and you and you mentioned Rob's death in the basement right where he's screaming I'm dying mm-hmm. I'm dying you know run run yeah. that actually while you're not really seeing what's happening that actually yeah. affected me the most um, and I remember yeah. Yeah. you yeah. I think you were talking about this scene on the the on what mm. you're talking about our Patreon show um, oh yeah scene uh, that that one or something similar but yeah, yeah somebody who is in the middle of it and yeah. and saying you know go and they're not worried about themselves so much and they're not just instantly yeah uh, going yeah. out but yeah. they're fighting it a little bit yeah yeah it's interesting it's interesting stuff well let, let, we're going to get into the movie let's take a break and when we come back okay. we'll start uh breaking down the movie here's a here's a quick commercial hey folks jeremy here and i wanted to take a moment and tell you about our patreon site at patreon.com Yeah, we would love for those of you that are enjoying the show to help us shape what we revisit from the past and how we revisit it. If you decide to help us, you get early access to episodes and two additional podcasts a month. Uh, Some of those podcasts are just film commentaries where Devin and I or a special guest will watch a movie and comment on it as we watch and you could watch along. And others are a show that we call What You Talking About. It's basically an uncensored pod that not only adds additional conversations about the pop culture we love but it also gives a peek behind the curtain as specifically Devin and I discuss what to cover on the show and how you as a patron can help Uh, we have two tiers the the five buck tier is basically all that I talked about early access to episodes what you're talking about episode uh, like film commentaries but then we have a 10 buck tier and the main difference is that The $10 tier gives you everything, but it also gives you an opportunity to vote each month on the content covered on the main show, and then an opportunity to submit questions each month to be read um, and, of course, answered on the main show. Uh, You get voting power on the main show content, and uh, it really just helps. It even furthers just the ability to shape what we're doing. We need partners in this uh, little journey that Devin and I are on, and we would love for you to to join us. Our goal really is we're still a baby show. We're in the first year, and our goal is by the end of the year, which would be around uh, December, is to get 15 patrons by the end of the year. Uh, And that would just help us keep the show running, equipment, um, services, advertising, all that kind of stuff. So if you would like to be a part of the team and community at Living in the Past, please check out www.patreon.com forward slash living in the past, L-I-V-I-N-I-N, the past. Now back to the show. All right, so the movie starts out um, with a, with basically a recap of part one, two, and three. So you have this 
a group of adolescents are gathered around the campfire and this, you know, they recount what all has happened. And, you know, the movie also has this moment where you see the um, the aftermath of part three, where the ambulances are arriving at Camp Crystal Lake and the barn. And then Jason's body is put in the ambulance and they drive off and we go to the, the hospital and have I don't know what it is about hospitals, but maybe it was because I saw Halloween, two. And of course, so much of that takes place in a hospital, but um, I they scare the hell out of me. Not only if I'm there as a patient, <laughs> wow, but, that's the scary part. Yes, yeah. there's there's death all around you for real. There's death all around you for real. Um, they freak me out, and and to think of a, a slasher like Michael Myers or Jason Voorhees. Uh, roaming around in a hospital that just i don't know what it is hospitals wow. at night they just they just take me to a whole other level of fear wow Wait, which which <laughs> can i just say for our listeners that are just joining us now thank you by the way but the irony of this of course is yeah. jeremy's wife is a nurse so <laughs> well wait it gets better i have never ever visited my uh. wife at work ever <laughs> she's worked at multiple hospitals she's worked at one uh. two three Four hospitals. I've never visited her hospital. I'm, uh, I'm not imagine. exaggerating. I'm not exaggerating. Want to have lunch with me at work today? Hell oh, no. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> no. Even better would be. I, the one hospital experience I had was uh, my wife was going for, during her pregnancy getting like a, a checkup. And then she has to call me at night in the parking lot, garage. I got a flat tire. So I have to like go to the hospital parking garage at night and change a flat tire. And it's all empty. No one's there. Yeah. So, Jeremy, wow. that, one day that's going to be you. No. Hey, dear. No. I, I noticed at lunch I got a flat tire. I'm at work. Can you come change it before, uh, before I get off? I, I've, I've gone a, baby, to the parking lot of the hospitals <laughs> and picked up my wife before. But um, while she's working, I've not visited her. That's never happened. Do you that's go in cool. the parking garage or do you make her like walk out to the sidewalk the street? I'm rolling by on Fifth Street. Just to, you know, catch it's, me on the corner. It's street, man. Corner. I don't go to the parking garage. Like, if I can't help it. <laughs> So wow. all that to say is 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 part four, um, being in the hospital, um, yeah, that that was a problem. And, w- and what's funny is like you have, um, oh, what was his name? Axel, the guy Axel. that, yeah, the guy that's working there, a uh, Bruce uh, Mahler, who was, if you remember, he was the rabbi on Seinfeld. Uh, and he was in like two or three oh, episodes on Seinfeld. Right He's in the Police Academy movies. Uh, it was fun to see him as, as it like it, it's one of those like, hey, it's that guy. One of those moments. But um, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I enjoy the opening. I enjoy this movie for what it is. Um, it is unique in some not, ways. Not a, not a strong HR department in uh, as far as sexual harassment in the <laughs> 80s. Yeah. Uh, what is what is HR 1984? Right. Yeah. My goodness. Yeah. Um, yeah it's interesting. Just imagine, J- the, just imagine Mad Men. That'd be even more, <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Yeah. I mean, it was nothing. Hey, what, Carl, what works for you in part four? Just in general, like, what are some of the things that um, work for you in the movie? Well, I mean, it is, to a degree, a lot of these movies you talk about in slasher movies in general is that it is just sort of, can you sit through this and, and take it, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. and it progress. This is kind of, and, you know, as a, you know, now I look at it, it's like, it's nothing. Yeah. And it's like, you know, but you see how it goes to the Saul movies and the human centipede and yeah. all these movies. It's like, okay, yeah. we've passed that. Now, can you look at this? Can you see this? And it's right. almost like a dare. 
And like you say, it is cathartic type of thing where, mm. you know, life is tough. But a lot of times it's like you look at it and you say, okay, I'm, I'm in my t- situation is tough. I'm not in that situation. I'm better <laughs> yeah. off. Yeah. And you also feel smarter than everybody in the movie too. You so do. you may not, you know, I, you know, whatever your college, you know, you may be like, I didn't quite go to college. I struggled in high school, whatever you feel like I'm smarter than those people. <laughs> I mean, I've been to a, the best theater experience I've had is watching scream at a theater where people talk back to wow. the movie. And that was the most fun. Cause everybody's like, turn around, look, don't do that. You, what are you doing? You're crazy. And it was everywhere in the theater and it yeah. was fun. Yeah. It was really a good time. So it's, it's mm. part of the movies is it's just that it's fun. We're not looking for a great plot and all this other stuff. I'm enjoying some of the effects. I'm enjoying some of the the horror of it, and it's just we can enjoy. We don't have to always have, you know, a deeper, deeper meaning for all these movies. Right, right. How dare you, <laughs> Devin? What about you? What what works for you in in part four? Well, so I, I think we've already touched on a couple of the things, but I mean, one is whenever we start to have series, right? We there's inevitably we. Ad- Identify. I don't know. Is that too strong of a word? Probably. But we, we identify. We, we start, I think, finding ourselves in um, I, therapists everywhere are going to hate me for saying this, but but in some type of like relationship with the characters that we want to see. Right. So I think it's like, oh, what is Jason going to do next? So that's certainly part of it that works. Right. Right. And then I think, yeah, the, some of the things that we talked about I, because of that MPAA stuff, yeah. it it really forced them to be, I think, I want to be careful because I don't mean that the previous movies were not creative in some right. sense, but more creative with camera angles right. and lighting. And Jeremy, you mentioned earlier, as far as like the old school, like Paramount monsters. And while I don't think it gets quite put into that box, I think we do have some much more unique um, cinematography going right. on with, with this version than previous or later versions of the franchise. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, when it comes to this, the story, in the other ones, it's it's you know it's these teenagers at Camp Crystal Lake, and you know they're you know I think part six, and and those that are listening that are huge Friday the Thirteenth fans like correct me if I'm wrong, but I think part six might be the only one that has children, like at the mm. camp, and which adds like yeah. it's go watch part six. It's surprisingly different in some ways. Um, it's the only one in the series that has no nudity in it. Um, it's it's it is. No wonder I didn't like. Yeah, it. no wonder you didn't see it. Um, but like, <laughs> <laughs> but there's a playfulness to part six that the others doesn't have. I mean, it, it's moving into that universal monster world. But but I like four because you're introduced to the Jarvis family, which is a little bit of a, a, a it's a mm. it's a left turn from what you're used to of. Just a group of teenagers, mm. although a group of teenagers do show up and they do the things that they do in every other movie. But there's this wholesomeness to the Jarvis family. I don't know if you remember their big group hug at the beginning of the movie. Um, so, nice. so there's like all these like differences. And of course, they're in the house across from the dirt road from where all the, the teenagers are. Just apparently there's these two houses in the middle of nowhere um, near near Crystal Lake. Um, but it's interesting, just that that nuance. I enjoyed. I really like Tommy as a as a character. Um, I think I think uh, you know the acting in for Tommy by you know Corey Feldman is is just wonderful. I mean, there's that one scene where a lot of people don't don't like it, but the scene where he's watching the girl undress across the way and he's like losing his mind. 
And I remember when I saw that, I was a, about the same age, and I'm like, that's exactly how I would act. Like, if I was able to see that, <laughs> I would be spazzing out too. And uh, so I just I love that unique, just having the kid in it. Um, and there's other films that have the, the kid, you know, a kid in it. But Corey Feldman just, he raises the bar, and I love that. I love the, the innocence of that family, even though you have the teenagers that are partying, at, you know, across the street. Um, but those are some of the things I, I really love about it. Did you guys like Corey Feldman's Tommy Jarvis? You know, I think it's an interesting insert into this film series, right? right? right. To all of a sudden have, like, younger kids part of it. I, like, I, I don't know. Right. Also, I think this is the thing that I go back and forth on. I think now I see that through different eyes. But at the time... <laughs> Here's a question. And rest rest his soul, by the way, but did Corey Haynes bring Corey Feldman down? Oh, yeah. That's, that's a, the question that's I want question. answered. Yeah. Because I, I, I think it's around this time where the, the Corys became a thing, and I, I think like that was also the time in, in my life where I was like, eh, I don't like that. That's that's for chicks my age to dig or whatever and, and rock out on their cuteness as yeah. they subscribe to Tiger Beat magazine <laughs> and all that stuff. But, um, yeah, I, I think here's the other thing, though, with, with Corey Feldman. I mean, Corey Feldman, Feldman obviously does a great job in this role. I, I wonder, though, because of his previous, like, kind of blowing up with uh, Stand By Me. Right. And I guess we didn't, we, uh, let's see, we, I guess uh, Lost Boys was still to come. But because he was a more familiar face than the vast majority of actors in the series, does that detract at all for either one of you guys? Carter, does that, does that detract at all for you or, or no? Hmm. Uh, I don't think it just detracts uh, really, um, because as you said, he, yeah, as and like a lot of child actors, as you, it's hard to grow up in the real world after that. So he's sort right. of it, like all, and probably not as bad as most, gone off the rails to a degree. There's times where you sort of look at him and you feel, I don't know, a little sorry for him at times. You know, yeah, so, yeah. just because just how is you know, like I said, nothing terrible, but just sort of still grasping for that attention that he got. That he's it's harder yeah. to get as you get older. Um, that, so, but seeing him as a, you know, but, you know, watching it at the time, I don't know, I don't remember how much I recognized him. I think maybe I did, but he was just kind of one of those, I think I've seen that kid in other things, not necessarily, I know him by name like I do now. Yeah, so, sure. and then going back and seeing it, I kind of like, again, like Crispin Glover too, it is fun to see people that you didn't recognize at the time and say, okay, that, that was somebody that, that they had a more successful career later. This was maybe a stepping stone or something they took. Cause sometimes, mm. you know, you, you label people who get in some of these B movies as that's it. And that that's as high as they can go. Or, right. And, and there's no bad actors. There's bad parts. Sometimes people take, well, I'm going to get whatever part I could get and I'm going to make the most of it. And if mm. I do well in this, then, then I am going to go up. So yeah. uh, it didn't detract at all. I kind of like seeing him in this movie. Yeah. Wow. There you go. There you go. I think again, the things that work for me, it, it's Feldman. You're introduced to him, you know, in this kind of family introduction scene early on. Um, you you really get like he's he's sort of the um, avatar for Tom Savini, you know, as this like kid that likes creature <laughs> stuff. And um, I really like that about the movie. There, there's a, it just has a different nuance, and it actually makes some sense to the end when he cuts his hair off and kind of assumes this different role to try to trick Jason. Mm. Um, and that's mm -hmm. surprising because most of the Friday the 13th movies um, don't have a cleverness to them. Um, cleverness, yeah. You, you know, mm. and they, they this one does in some moments, and a lot of it has to do with, mm -hmm. with Tommy. Um, back to the movie. So you have the hospital stuff. Jason kills everyone in there. One of the funniest 
it must have been ad-libbed but like axel's like when the hand falls on axel and, and the nurse morgan when they're when they're trying to have sex in the room mm-hmm. and the hand jason's hand falls out his expletive like like tirade that he goes on might be one of the funniest things i've seen <laughs> in a long time um he says christmas about a million times if you don't remember go Go watch it. If yeah. I, I'll, I'll try to put the the uh, scene in the in the edit here when, uh, after we now, record did, this. Did you feel sort of cheated? How many times the hand fell out? I mean, I was, and maybe it was kind of good because I was expecting the the paramedics to get killed and the ambulance yeah. on the way there. Yeah. You know, it's like the hand kept falling, him kept falling. It's like okay, somebody tie that hand down. I mean, it's come out about six times. You know, it's like one of the greatest tropes of all of all slasher movies. You know, um, so he. You know, Jason then starts moving toward Crystal Lake and um, he kills like a hitchhiker on the side of the road. Um, And it's at this point that we're introduced to the teenagers and we're introduced to Crispin Glover's character. And what's interesting is almost immediately it feels different um, in the context Mm. of Friday the 13th movies because you have this back and forth between between Ted, Teddy um um Lawrence uh Monison and Crispin Glover's Jimmy and they're sitting in the back seat and like Jimmy has just broken up with his girlfriend and he's just devastated and there's this mm. back and forth and apparently based on Camp Crystal Lake memories the documentary like they got along great and they they truly had this chemistry those two characters and a lot of their lines here there's uh, they're ad-libbing a lot of it and I, I rewatching part four was interesting for me because normally you don't remember the characters at all, but I remember I remember Glover's character, um, and I, and I, just the you know the back and forth between Jimmy and Ted, and that I don't remember the characters. I get them all confused in the other films, but aside from Tommy Jarvis, I remember these two guys. Um, Devin, what did you think about about Crispin Glover and, and his bu- his buddy uh, Ted in the movie? Yeah, so here's an interesting thing, right? That kind of also adds to, I guess, the lore of this particular film within the series is previously we we don't, and I guess again, once again, and after this version, but we don't often get a lot of character development, right? right? They're right. usually there just to kind of move the plot forward. Right, right. And so this is a rare, rare window within this series of where we're actually getting to know these characters yeah. uh, much more beyond their their beer-drinking, pot-smoking sex habits yeah. um, at, at an abandoned <laughs> camp. And so that that is one of the things that stands out in this, and I think that that, that adds kind of to the the shine of this particular installment because yeah all of a sudden it's not just kind of the generic nameless faceless teenagers but we're actually starting to see some development of of other um characters and character traits within that so yeah it's it's totally what makes us stand out yeah it's it's their their banter is hilarious it it you remember them and when they when these characters are killed by jason a lot of people enjoy these movies for the kill, but there's also this like sadness, like, Oh, I like that yes. guy. You know, that guy was pretty yeah, cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so you, I, I think for me, that's why I like four so much is that it's, it's a little mm. more memorable. It doesn't just um, fade into the haze of, of like this collective memory of Friday the 13th. I can kind of pick out part four and part six really yeah. a lot easier than the other, other films. So I, I, 
look, how, I, how dare I ask this next question, but I need to. Like, <laughs> what 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 doesn't work in this film in the context of a slasher genre film? Like, what, what oh doesn't gosh. work? Carl? With this particular installment? Yeah, what doesn't or, work? Or are we just no, yeah. what doesn't work? Mm. And, and I'm thinking specifically, because, look, Roger Ebert would say everything doesn't work. This film shouldn't be made. <laughs> it's the lowest common denominator. I get that. But if we think yeah. slasher genre, and a lot of people say part yeah. four is like kind of like held in a high, in high regard in the genre, is there anything for you that doesn't work? And, and Carl, we'll start with you and then, and then bounce to Devin. Okay. Um, what doesn't work? I mean, I don't know if this is going to necessarily be what you're looking for, but it just sort of sticks out to me. Cause it, it, but it's true for the genre as a whole. Right. I mean, it's not necessarily particularly specific to this movie, but it's just the planning. Like I talked about how you feel smarter than everybody in the movie. Right. It's like they keep going, they keep putting themselves in the worst places. Like, you know, we have a child and then we know we, at some point we finally realize there is a killer on the loose. You know, there's three of us left. Yeah. You stay here, and we're going to go over here. <laughs> yeah. Lock the door. Let's yeah. split up. Yeah. Yeah. You, child, stay here. And then when we go over there, you stay here, Trish. I'm going down the stairs. No, I'm going to be with No, I'm going down the stairs. You stay here. What? I don't understand yeah. the, uh, the logistics of that, yeah. the strategy of that. So yeah. it just sort of, at some point, you're like, I know, I know Rob was, uh, he wasn't there just to survive it like the, everybody else. He was there to get revenge. So I understand yeah. his, I at least understand his motivation to, I'm going to go down there and do this. But at some point too, you know, and I guess Trish is still looking for her mom at some point, but it's just like, <laughs> yeah. let's just, I know the car is having trouble. Right. Let's get the heck out of here though. Let's, right. let's go. And let's not, mm. if we're going to stick together, let's sort of barricade ourselves with weapons. Let's not spread ourselves as thin as possible right. and leave the like the weakest person alone by themselves in a room. And when they're nailing the door, what are they nailing it to? They're just putting nails through the door. I mean, there's no yeah. board there. Yeah. You know, it's like, yeah. well, what are they doing? <laughs> the door has a nail in it. It still opens. Yeah. Well, uh, anyway, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Devin, what about you? Wow. Yeah, I mean, so we've obviously got some of the the tropes of of mm. this genre in general, right? I, and and this is something that I, I wouldn't even have crossed my mind mm-hmm. uh, seeing it as as <laughs> as a twelve year old yeah. in the theater. Yeah. Um, but now I look back and go like, oh, there there is a tremendous amount of white people on screen. <laughs> Yeah, and so I think yeah. by today's like just overall standards yeah. of diversity, like there is clearly a one audience that this is trying to reach. Yeah, and so I would say like yeah, let, let's maybe let's sprinkle some other um, colors and and whatnot on on the screen. So I, I think that from current day eyes, that that would be my my feedback in addition to what Carl said with with the tropes. Right, right, and I I would say you know yes to those. I would also point out that um there's like some continuity stuff with all of these movies are con- there's continuity mm. stuff but like with rob mm. with rob dyer's character like we find out during the course of the film that he ain't he ain't like hunting deer he's hunting jason mm. because jason killed his sister um and mm. and it, it is that famous kill from part two where um the the, the they're they're like having sex in the bed and jason like stabs the spear through both of them um that is like one of the most like shocking things in this friday 13th series is that scene um and there's like been articles written about it but he's the brother of that girl and yet 
it's like he's been searching for Jason for years. It's this bizarre, mm. it's this bizarre continuity yeah. thing um, that I know fans of the of Friday Thirteenth would point out. But I, that always like I'm like trying to like he has all these clippings, but like mm-hmm. if I remember correctly, like two, three, and four are like back to back to back, and he's like acting like he's been searching for all this time and. Uh, it's just yeah. it's just weird. It, it just doesn't make any sense to me. But but those are are nitpicky because you the fun of the Friday Thirteenth is just how ridiculous it can get. But I if mm-hmm. they did tweak some of those continuity errors uh, in the film, I think it actually might have strengthened the film, um, especially this one uh, because it's so I think it's so good in the genre and and I think if you fix that. But that's for me that's really the only the only thing that really jumps out at me um, about part four where, that I'm not bothered mm. by, but I'm like, ah, yeah, it'd be nice if they, if they fix that, you know, fix that thing. Yeah. So, yeah. 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 That makes sense. Um, I'm just, yeah, it's fascinating how, like, I don't know. Do, at what point, at what point does film continuity become part of our, like yeah. movie watching experience? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Not just with this, but it's just funny. Cause like, I, I don't remember, you know, ever thinking about continuity, no. and maybe that's my fault as a as a young viewer. But I'm just like, yeah, at what point? At what point do we actually start thinking about that? If it came up, it, it came up like as a fun thing that you would talk about, and then you would forget about it. Like, right. you pointed right. out totally. and then totally. laugh, and yeah. then you know, it's like yeah. when you discovered the stormtrooper hitting his head on the door in A New Hope. You know, yeah. it's like, hey, did yes. you see that? That's yes. kind of cool. You know, it's, right. But then you didn't dwell on it. But there now, there's like websites and chat boards and. You yes. know, all these like tweets and it's just we love to point it out and like demean things because of that. And I don't think that really crossed my mind. I remember mm-hmm. as a problem, like I kind of noticed it. I noticed stuff like that, yeah. but it didn't like bother me. And and apparently, right, right. Apparently people get bothered um, by that. <laughs> Childhood's <laughs> ruined. Hey, let, um, let's talk about Jason. Is he is he a oh. good horror um, villain? Um, Devin, is he a good mm. horror villain? Uh, I mean, he has to be, right? Yeah. Because we have an entire franchise built around him. I right. So I, I want to bring this up. And I was going to tell it on air, Jeremy, but I think I'm going to save my Jason Ooh. Friday the 13th story for our patron only episode okay. but but i have one let me just pepper it like this so if you're on the fence thinking about whether you should um generously support this <laughs> podcast let me just kind of let me plant this seed um 1986 jason chainsaws santa cruz county sheriff and i'm just gonna <laughs> leave it with that I'm just gonna leave. It I don't there. think you've ever told oh, me this story. Goodness. Like I don't. No, I don't think I have. Okay. But I, it, so I will. That I patrons. I, I will tell you this story. Yes, uh, I will tell you the story, and um, it 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 will be worth what what whatever generous support you can pony yeah. up. Um. So yeah, why 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 do we love Jason? I I think there's like one right we. We we love identifying for some weird reason. We love identifying with the Jasons and the Freddies and maybe even the Michael Myers. And 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 I think that when we're when we're building villains, um, that we we wanna see them almost kind of impenetrable in so many ways, right? And we think of some of the the bigger villains in just cinema, not just within the horror genre, but within cinema. And I think that that's what jason does so well like to to quote an an ad from tv of the 1980s he keeps a licking and keeps on ticking um 
he's he's very much unstoppable. And I think that you know where where we have uh, stakes for vampires in Paramount's um, classic monster movies, and and we have other ways of of getting rid of the main antagonists in uh, uh, other scary movies. Jason literally just keeps coming back for more. And I think that there's something that's almost superhero quality about that. Yeah. And for whatever reason, we we enjoy that because we know they're like, oh, they're gonna do their best to take out Jason. But but we know that ultimately it's not gonna happen. And I, I think that, that, that <laughs> yeah. there's repeat value there, yeah. right? Yeah, mm. yeah. Carl, what about you? Is he a good horror yeah, villain? Um, yeah, uh, to go back to what uh, Devin said about a story first, though, there are times where I feel Devin and I are very similar people. I listen to the podcast and different <laughs> things, and there's so many things in our lives that are like, yeah, that's, I mean, I'm exact same experience. It's just Alabama, yeah. California. It's slightly different. <laughs> same, you know, Connor line Ford vans, you know, yes. on the Sandra Bullock, those sort of things. But then it's like Devin tells stories about, um, like, running from the cops and, you know, getting arrested in, in previous podcasts and things, and I'm like, yeah. Okay, that's yeah. where so Devin Devin has got much more yeah entertaining stories. It's like you know a part of me is like I wish I'd lived through that. Maybe I'm glad I didn't live through that, but it's probably it's probably worth the the patrons to to join in for that. I'm looking forward yeah. to. But uh, is he a good villain? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, one thing I think he's just right, just about right, and not just in as far as just villains in general, but there's. Characters that are overpowered, yeah, I mm. don't like it. Like, to say Superman, for instance. Um, most of the, I, I enjoy the movies as far as Superman showing up, but my favorite portrayal of Superman is in this the animated series where, mm. when he goes underwater or he goes in space, he's putting on uh, apparatus to breathe oxygen and yeah. stuff. He's not, you know, mm. people execute him. And he's not so overpowered that it's like impossible to. Right. Well, what's the point? Um, same thing with some villains that way to a degree sometimes. Um, Jason seems to be that way to extend, like you said, like Devin said, he's gonna keep coming at you, but but also there's always usually there's gonna be that person that does survive somehow. You do yeah. there there is a limit, you know, yeah. maybe way out there, but there is sort of a limit to um, what he can do. Right, um, right. So he's 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 tough, but there's there is a glimmer of hope if you persist. Yeah. I think that that's one of the things just to like kind of bounce on off of that is like when, when we see like the Bond villains or we see these other things like it, it, we, we almost inevitably know that it's going to be, you know, protagonist versus antagonist. And, and more times than not, there's going to be this finality mm -hmm. to to the life of the antagonist. Right. Bond typically gets the villain and all these other not necessarily horror related movies, but like the it, that person is done for. And we just know like the, the purpose of. Of, of Friday the 13th is we just want to survive Jason. Yeah. <laughs> we just want yeah. like we just want to make it out of the night. Yeah. And I think that there's something with that that just it's this weird kind of like I, I kind of want to root for Jason in some ways. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's well, it's funny you mentioned that too because Jason is the and I think it changes maybe later, but Freddy Krueger and Jason they're yeah. they're evil and you don't you're like ah you want to get away from them, but there is a sympathetic backstory to them at times too yeah. where you yeah. feel bad yeah. for them yeah. too, and there's a dichotomy yeah. and a struggle of. Which way do you go for them? Yeah. yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Jason, they're they're like obviously a continuity like weirdness because of like Jason drowned, but he witnessed his mom being beheaded, and you know there's all right. that that kind of stuff that like you know he witnessed his mom being beheaded, and you know the music is is um, 
the 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 famous that that kind of sound is is kill mm-hmm. i think it's kill a mommy uh, kill mommy uh, kill mommy yeah. yeah it was redu- it was reduction from killer mommy yeah. which is we we hear this throughout the original right, right? and then yeah, he went in and on the keyboard, not Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the making composer. my theme song. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and yeah, so that's uh, what it came down to. And, and we haven't even touched on that. And, I, I mean, know. I think that's one of the things that makes this such a strong series is is the score and, and that particular part of the soundtrack. Like, we might, yeah. I- I- if we were, I don't know, in, not that they would ever play this in the grocery store <laughs> or an elevator, but if we were to hear the... the, the <laughs> The, the Nightmare on Elm Street theme play there, we'd be like, oh, that sounds familiar. But if we right. hear the, the the soundtrack, that part of it, the Red Other Team, right. I, I don't care if you've seen this series or not, you know what it is attached to. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Manfredini is the, the – Harry Manfredini is the guy mm-hmm. that did the music. He's mm-hmm. – yeah, he's stellar. Like, it, uh, And I think 4 yes. has some really good stuff going on. Like just the, the – the, he just uses the music so well for tension. But even that – you know – Jason obviously has like the two through four Jason, which is a little more human. I mean, he's still that kind of unstoppable force, but like he gets wounded. He's, he's human ish. Um, but then you got yeah. six on where he's just unstoppable, like this reanimated, right. you know, you can't, you can't hope to stop this guy. And I mean, right. they have to like, and Jason takes Manhattan, they have to like destroy him with like, like, some type of like radioactive sewage or something you know it's like yeah which <laughs> is plentiful in new york city hey it is uh and so do you uh, guys prefer i mean carl based on what you were saying it seems like you prefer the more two through four jason than the re reanimated one from six to whatever you know um is that right yeah i mean yeah i mean and i we talked about this on the patreon episode but just what can you know, I would be really interested in knowing the lore, the reason, what is the, can we pull, can somebody pull a thread all the way through mm-hmm. all these movies and explain, you know, it's not going to be realistic, of course, but at least give me some kind of explanation of if it's, you know, it's, you know, there's a tether from hell that just so he's, he's yeah. attached to and that's, you know, something, I don't know. Yeah. But the the more killable, the one that you can you know, you know, like in this episode, you know, the hammer to the head stuns mm-hmm. him. You know, yeah. the yeah, the different parts that you do mm-hmm. think, and then even the you know the more realistic and creative way of slowing him down, of freaking him out with his own image of himself, yeah. and yeah. is he wrestling inside with who he used to be and and who he is now? Uh, stunning thing. So things like that that make him, you know, there is a chance there is something you can do to slow him down and stop mm. him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like that. Um. Devin, two to th- four or the Jason six on? Like, which one do you prefer? Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. I'm old school, original school, however you want to look at it. Um, hey, let me ask this, yeah. though, because going back to the question as far as, like, what do we love about Jason? So, in, in you know, in one, um, sorry, spoiler, in one, we, we get a, such a quick glimpse of him, yeah, right? Yeah. Um, and w- Which is weird because it seems like he doesn't age and then all of a sudden <laughs> you know in two yeah. like anyway talking about mm. continuity errors but but anyway so in two in two he he doesn't have his hockey mask he doesn't, yeah and and then in three and on he's got the hockey mask so is is the hockey mask is is that as iconic as like darth vader's helmet i mean at, at, at what level do we rate just the hockey mask if, if jason doesn't have a hockey mask and he goes on with the pillowcase or the the, the sack flower mm-hmm. with the, the eye cut out yeah. 
does does he rise in popularity as much as when we have this identifiable hockey mask? I think I think it's it's a huge iconic '80s prop. I, I think it, it's yeah. up there with you know Ark of the Covenant, you know lightsabers, Darth Vader's wow. mask. I, I yeah. think it's just yeah. like yeah. a lot of film goers, even if they're not super familiar with. The Friday yeah. 13th series, if you see the mask, you just know what that's symbolizing. Yeah. Um, right, and, right. And what's funny is, like, one of the only things that they get right with continuity is he takes an axe to the head in three, and that that little gap in his yeah. mask is there through all yeah. of them. All the way, even when he, yes. in part 10, when he's in space, still has that, like, little yes. gap. So, um, <laughs> yes. good job, good job. <laughs> but, like... I, I, I think it's pretty it's interesting. I was talking to my wife and, and she's not seen a single one of these movies. And so she's like, hey, what are you doing on the show this weekend? And I'm like, well, we're doing Friday the 13th part four. And I was just telling her about it a little bit. And and I, I was talking about the hockey mask. And then I said, but in part two, yeah. he wears this, um, you know, kind of like, I don't know. What is, is it? A sack, a potato sack, something. I think it's just a pillowcase yeah, yeah, like, from the potato sack race. Yeah, no, I think it's a pillowcase. <laughs> Yeah, I think no. it's a potato sack or yeah. the, the equivalent yeah. of yeah, it with the, a, bur, with the a burlap sack. Burlap. How about that? Sack burlap sack, yeah. <laughs> <A> pillowcase. <laughs> He's creative. Um, but yes. I showed, I had, I brought it up, an image of him in two on the phone, and showed my wife, and she was like, "That's freaky." And I'm like, "I know, right?" It's, I think sometimes we forget how yeah. creepy he is in two, and yet, yeah. Um, and rightfully so, we remember we remember the hockey mask, and and it's so yeah. so iconic. And I, I would say it's, well, and it's it's, and it's very much in line with like what we've talked about in in previous right. episodes of, of like Jaws, because even though we see Jason, the mask doesn't let us see Jason. Right, and right. So there's always this mystery element, and so when we get those small glimpses, when either the mask is cracked or if it right. comes off momentarily or these other points, like how many of us now that we have DVD quality stuff, like haven't gone back and done like freeze frames on every moment when Jason doesn't have anything covering his face. And it could be, be there's that mystery there. And I think that like, unlike Freddy Krueger, like we see Freddy's face, we, we, we can identify that. Right. But with Jason, this, this continued mystery uh, it, it runs throughout right, uh, right. each one of the episodes, and and I think that's part of the the, the allure of the character as well. Right. It, we would be remiss if we don't talk about this next thing, and oh. that is um, like horror fans would be upset with us. Um, a lot of people yeah. watch these movies for the creative filmmaking and how different people are killed, and um, so I want to <laughs> I want to ask this question. Like, it's not in the notes or anything. It was just something that I thought would yeah. come naturally, but like. What's the most creative? What's the best kill in part four? What is your favorite? Whoa. And and mine is really I'll go first because it's it's kind of the obvious one based on some of the things I've said. Uh, I think one of the best lines of the movie is, hey, where Ted, where's the corkscrew? And of course, Jason like <laughs> slams the corkscrew through his hand and then you get the, the, yeah. the butcher knife to the forehead. Yeah. Um, that's my favorite, maybe in all of Friday the 13th, it's my favorite one. I love it. Wow. Um, and I think the butcher, you know, knife to the head, I think the way they film that, if I'm not mistaken, is they, you know, you have the knife, they cut out, um, part of the knife, 
that can fit onto your head. It looks like it's embedded. And then they just reverse the film. So you start out and you pull it away and then they reverse it. It looks like mm. it goes in. And I think that's how they did that. But I, I love that. Ted, hey, where, you know, where's the corkscrew? And it's just like, here it is. <laughs> and there it yeah. is. So that's that's yeah, my, my favorite. I, uh, Carl, what, what's yours? What's your favorite most creative kill in the, in the film? Again, uh, just alluding to, I alluded to it earlier, just, just the silhouette way they showed yeah. the heart, the, yeah. the impaling. Because when actually... And then they come back to it and they actually show him slamming her into the side of the house with it. <laughs> yeah. That didn't look as cool. Or yeah. that wasn't, I mean, that was kind of like par for the course, but the having it in silhouette and not expecting it to happen there right. is part of like what I like about it. Cause you're like, okay, we're going to see it. It's going to happen. We got it, but they got to get in frame first and all of a sudden, boom. Oh, she's dead. Right. Right. <laughs> right. Devin, what about you? You have a favorite? Yeah, you know, I mean, I think the corkscrew because there, there's comedy attached with it. But I have to say, like, you know, think about being part of the creative teams on these films. And someone going, okay, like, what? Okay, team, what? What gather around? What are we going to do that we haven't done yet in this series? <laughs> um, and like that would be a conversation that I would love to be part of. And and I have to just go. <laughs> At some point, in, if you've watched Freddy vs. Jason, you probably know where I'm yeah. going. But there's actually a scene where, it, folks, um, th th this I know we're coming up on the holidays here. And so <laughs> if you're planning to go back to mom and dad's house, maybe grandma and grandpa's house for the holidays, you may want to consider where you sleep. Because one of the most creative, in my opinion, kills was um, killing a poor young man on the fold-out couch bed. And um, I, I just, yes, uh, for having... You know, spent holidays on the fold-out couch bed at grandmother's house. Yeah. Nothing was more scary than going to sleep <laughs> on the fold-out couch. Yes, <laughs> yes. Well, there, I, I'm trying to remember which one. I think it might. Is it five or six? I think it's six where the sheriff gets, like, he's on his, like, hands and knees, and Jason bends him backwards. Like that's my other like where he goes yeah back, a, and I'm just yeah, like oh just my gosh yeah. so that would be my my number two in the whole series um so we get to the end we get Tommy and you know shaving his head tricking Jason they they get him and then it's to the hospital and you have the brother and sister embrace and then the camera focuses on Corey Feldman famous shot for Friday the Thirteenth where you know he looks disturbed at the end um. Is Tommy Jarvis the a great foil for Jason, or should it have been someone else? Should it have been one of the the final girls that just keeps reoccurring? Uh, what do you guys think? You know, so I mean, so for those of you that are unfamiliar with like the horror trope, right? I mean, Jeremy, yeah. you've touched on this in the last couple episodes, yeah. like the final girl. So kind of like break that down because that's actually something. It's not right. just a phrase you're using, but it's actually something within the horror genre. So do you want to break? Yeah, that down? typically in in the the in slasher films there is always a survivor most of the time it is a female uh the female doesn't typically uh have sex with anybody gets drunk smokes anything there, there's a purity to them but they're also the most intelligent uh they're the bravest um and they they kind of fight back against the killer and there's a climactic moment where in most of the films where the final girl um uses her wits and abilities to thwart the slasher. So that's that's the idea. In fact, what's interesting is there is a board game company that just is in the midst of fulfilling a Kickstarter, and the game is called Final Girl. And it, it's, nice. it's a really cool-looking game. So if you love board games, uh, I know 
in our thing episode we talked about who goes there uh but take a look at, at the uh final girl which is uh, a new board game that'll be releasing soon it's uh it's been kick-started they're fulfilling all those people that backed it and i'm sure they'll sell their extra copies on their website but but that's the that's the final girl um concept Devin. yeah and, and so that because that's such a thing yeah. I, I i don't know that i want to break that right, right. I, I think that there, there there's something that's that's I'm not going to say kind of specially, but though I just say kind of special. But but there's something that like that that we enjoy about that, right? So I I think because Corey Feldman is who he yeah. is, um, I I think it's actually kind of cool to have him as like this. Yeah. <laughs> he he is to Jason what Newman is to Seinfeld, oh, and yeah. so I think. <laughs> I, I, I think that, that that is another thing that is endearing about this particular installment. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, let's let's go ahead and, and let's take a break because we got to figure out what music we're going to be listening to when we leave the parking lot of the movie theater. I, it's interesting. I, I, I have um, – I really loved the selection we had for this week. So uh, let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to do Lock It In and Rip the Knob Off. Just let me hear some of that rock and roll music. Are you reeling in the east? They say the This is Lock It In, Rip the Knob Off. What song do we play on the car radio on the way from the movie that best sums up our feelings about it? Mm -hmm. For those of you that are new to the show, we basically say the movie came out in April. um, It's April 13th, Friday night, April 13th, 1984. Uh, We go see the movie. We're getting into the car to leave the parking lot. What are we playing on the radio? We look at the top 100 songs of that week, and we pick from there. Um, I, I, I don't know about you guys. I loved the top 100 this, this particular week. Um, Carl, let's start with you. What song are you going to be listening to on the way out of the parking lot? Well, I'm not going to listen to the radio. I'm going to get my cassette oh. and I'm going to put it in. <laughs> wow. I'm putting in mixtape. Weird Al Yankovic and I'm going to listen to eat it. Okay. So, <laughs> um, they may, you may wonder why I eat it. Yeah, uh, I am. I you am. Know, you can maybe strip. Okay. Well, because Eat It is the first track on side one, but I'm on side two, actually. I haven't gotten to side one yet. And so I'm at the end of it, though. So I just got to listen to one song to get to it. And that song is Nature Trail to Hell uh, in 3D. <laughs> in 3D. Yes. And so, Love it. And it's so, uh, you know, I kind of back ended uh, into that because uh, some yeah. reason that one didn't chart. I don't understand why. Oh, what? I do Weird. love it, but it's. It's, yeah. uh, you know, like the first verse is like the uh, coming this Christmas to a theater near you, the most horrifying film to hit the screen. It's a homicidal maniac who finds a Cub Scout troop and he hacks up two or three in every scene. So, <laughs> you know, nice. you know, and there's a part about it's a it's good family fun. It's what they say in the song too. bring the kids along. So it's just Love it fits it. perfectly. We're going to go with eat it. But I have to get through the song before it on the other side of the tape first. Before yeah. I get to it. Yeah. That's a good pick. I wore that cassette out. I absolutely wore it out, man. Oh, that's good one of those pick. I got from like the club, the Columbia Records Club. I think yes. that was yes. one of my stamps. Yes. Look that Only stamp cost and... a penny. Yeah, Fifteen for a penny. That's brilliant. And you're in debt for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. Like I didn't order. Uh, didn't oh order. Gosh, the yeah, Footloose I... soundtrack. I don't. How did I get yeah. here? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, Devin, what about you? <laughs> what do you what do you listen to? Oh man. Well, you know, Carl had a great pick, but I, I am gonna go a little further down the charts and I'm gonna get into actually the, the, the second part of the fifties there. But uh going again to the lyrics, you know, I'm not gonna even say the name. Let me just read some of these lyrics and put yourself into the Friday the thirteenth film, if you will, dear listener. Uh here we go. If you're lost, you can look and you will find me time after time. If you fall, I will catch you. I will be waiting time after time. Yes. After my yep. picture fades and has turned to gray, watching through windows, you're wondering if I'm okay. Secrets stolen from deep inside. Deep inside. And the drum beats out of time. <laughs> yeah, so it's got to be Cindy Lauper time after time, had, man. And you'll never listen to that song. No, again. I had no idea that was a <laughs> serial killer song. <laughs> now I do. That's a great pick. Um, here, here's mine. I was able to 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 find a little audio clip. So let me let me play my pick for you guys. couldn't help it it was like low-hanging fruit for me as i was going through um the list i was just like well of course it's it's you know somebody's watching me um wow i you know i'm curious uh and and maybe listeners you can weigh in and give some feedback but are we indeed wrecking songs of your youth by doing this little bit every week (laughs) i just kind of thought oh destroying fond nostalgia i think that's why we had gone video if it if we were going to watch the video as opposed to the song, I probably would have picked Hello by Lionel Richie because he creepily stalks <laughs> the blind woman through the whole movie, through the whole video. Yes, it's like, yes, I'm yes. watching you, you know, yeah. be your li- I'm looking for you. Yeah. So anyway, uh, that one's well, creepy. And, That's yeah. the level of creepy there. That It is. And good friend of the pod, Tom Spina, Tom Spina Designs, actually just, um, you know, they are a top prop maker and prop refurbisher in, in Hollywood. Uh, they're actually based on the East Coast, but they do it for Hollywood films. And they just, I think it was just a matter of a couple of weeks ago, put out on their social media that somebody, one of their one of their customers had ordered that bust or, or a likeness of the bust <laughs> of Lionel Richie from that video, Beautiful. which that, that oh. might be creepier than the entire oh, Friday the 13th series put together. I, That's oh. levels of levels of who's watching who. <laughs> yes. Who is stalking who? Oh, oh my God! All right, as we close out the show, there can be only one. Let's let's uh, let's uh, figure out what is going to be the best uh, thing about this movie. So, coming up next, there can be only one. There can be only one. All right, guys, what is the single best thing, character, moment, scene, line, theme, song, whatever about this movie? Um, I'll just go first right out of the gate. It's obvious I'm in love with Crispin Glover's performance. Uh, but I, I would mm. say a close second. And, and if you are if you listen to the show and you're like, you know what, I'm going to go watch part four, do me a favor and count because I'm not sure the number. But my close second is the number of times windows break. Dog jumps out a window. Oh. Guy's thrown through the window. Oh. Girl jumps out of the window. Jason comes through a window. I mean, glass breaks mm. constantly in this movie. Um, I, that's my close second of there can be only one, uh, Carl, what about you? What's your, what's your favorite thing about the movie? Um, I do have a question before I answer this, as far as Chris, where is 
Camp Crystal Lake located geography wise? Chicagoland, I believe. Oh. There's an actual Crystal Lake in Chicago. There's a million. Is it set there in the movie, too? I mean, I, it's supposed to be in New Jersey, I thought. So I'm looking okay. it up. Oh, right. is it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, okay. Although part seven, and Carl, you would like this. Part seven mm-hmm. was filmed in Alabama. So, um, oh, yeah. oh, whoa. Wow. Uh, I mean, they didn't. Uh, they didn't have to cast a person. They could just find a Jason in the woods, back woods out here. Wow. Um, okay, so. Wearing so masks we're, before COVID was a thing. Yeah, go ahead, go. Since we are east of the Mississippi, um, I mean, well, I don't want to take one that might be Devin's. So I'll, there's one oh, that. Oh, it's okay. Take, take, well, take. I mean, the, my first instinct was just like you talked about the kill of Jason, or he's not, I guess he's not dead, but the slowing down of Jason when he slides down the machete. That's kind of like. Yeah. That's that cringe thing. It's like, oh, that's gross. Okay, so wait a minute. It's still going. Stop. Wait. Okay, cut. Move the camera. Uh, you know, he slides all the way down slowly, and it's like, you know, how's he gonna get up from that? But yeah. he does somehow mm. later. But mm. that one, that one is like, okay, that's what it's kind of all about, and this is kind of a shame that they've cut all the others out because that's that's what you're sort of fighting in yourself, or at least I am when I'm watching that horror movie. I want to turn away. I don't want to see it, but ooh, I do want to see it. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I was curious. Since we are east of the Mississippi, um, you know, there's always, you know, smoking a joint, drinking beer. The kids are drinking Coors. And so I could not stop <laughs> thinking, is there a Smokey and the Bandit tie-in? Did the Whoa. Bandit smuggle the beer to a Crystal wow. Lake? And what a movie that would be if, if I would, I would, instead I would of... That. Instead of Sheriff Just Buford T. Justice pursuing yeah, uh, the yeah. bandit, it is Jason going after the bandit. And wow! Oh my! No matter how fast he drives on that Trans Am, Jason's going to be there. He's like Pepe Le Pew. He is where you're going, <laughs> yeah. no matter how fast you go. Yeah. So I couldn't yeah. get that out of my mind. So the Coors itself sort of got me into a different movie, a mashup. And I would, I, we got to maybe we can get a Kickstarter. We can make produce that, make that it ourselves. Be, I'd be wow. brilliant, brilliant. Devin, what about you? I, 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 I just need some time to process that. <laughs> but um, you know, there there are some things that go together: um, salt and pepper, peanut butter and jelly. Um, me and Kim Fields from <laughs> The Facts of Life. Um, <laughs> and I think it's a thing that, that holds true not just for this installment, but it's just about every swing and installment of this intellectual property, and and that is hockey masks and soundtrack. Yeah. That 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 is it for me. The rest are just mere details and a wishy washy plot line. But give me hockey masks, give me soundtrack. And we're good. <laughs> a plot line? Wishy-washy. There was a plot line? Uh, oh, my gosh. Well, you know, I can't. I, don't, I, I totally agree. What a fun little trip down memory lane just to go back to part four of Friday the 13th. I, I just I have so many oddly fond memories of watching this, sneaking this, watching it with friends, talking about it. Um, so it was fun to, to revisit it. Um, thank you guys for listening. You can find us on Twitter at Livin the Past, L I V I N the Past. Uh, Patreon, we got a we got a uh, show that we actually talk about uh, a little bit more about Friday the Thirteenth. We dig in a little bit more. We also talk about the best mom- damn moments of Van Damme. So we talk mm, about a little yeah. Jean Claude Van Damme. Uh, so check that out at Patreon.com forward slash Livin in the Past, L I V I N I N the Past. 
uh, Facebook, uh, facebook.com forward slash live in the past. Hey, next episode, we got, uh, I believe it's Predator, guys. So Predator is going to be the Whoa. next main show episode Ooh. as we start to roll into the Thanksgiving uh, season. Uh, I'm excited to, to go to that Arnie Classic. So that's that's what's coming up next. We, we're going to be doing the commentary. Carl has never seen The Thing, and the three of us are going to get together and uh, watch uh, The Thing and provide a wonderful commentary for everybody. So <laughs> there you have it. Go visit us uh, at uh, Live in the Past. We'll talk to you guys soon. Peace. <laughs>